0: I just realized this is the coolest thing ever. To be able to speak languages like you can live anywhere. And, you know, uh, sometimes we're close to other cultures because we are scared. But then when, when you speak the language, even just speaking a couple of words can put a, a, a big smile on a man's face, on a grumpy man's <laughs> yes. face in the
1: middle of the street. <laughs> Welcome to How To. I'm Carvel Wallace. You know, learning a new language is really one of those things, right? It's like a self-improvement goal that we feel like we should be working towards. Mm Kind of like eating healthier or getting more sleep or managing our time better. But it's like, how do you find the time? Often you do it half-heartedly, right? Like you buy an app, you take a course and never use it again. You're left with a handful of words that you can maybe pull out and use on vacation or that you awkwardly try to force into conversation when you're ordering at a restaurant. But not much beyond that. It's easy to get frustrated and just eventually decide that you're not a language person. But it doesn't have to be that way. Does it?
2: My name is Nikki and uh, I am keen to improve my Spanish. I've been at it for several years and feel I am making a snail's pace of progress.
1: (laughs) Meet this week's guest, Nikki, who lives in Toronto, Canada.
2: Toronto is the most multicultural city in the world, so there's tons of Spanish speakers among other languages. Um, A lot of the places I traveled to were Spanish-speaking. You know, and as soon as you start to speak somebody's native language, I mean... You're, you're sort of instantly friends, you know, you, it just really opens the doors to sort of having a, a great connection with that person.
1: Wanting to travel is a great motivator. But for Nikki, there's actually another reason she's been desperately trying to pick up Spanish.
2: I recently started teaching dance and fitness classes to refugees and new immigrants to Toronto and... You know, you want to make them feel welcome by, one, speaking their language, among other things.
1: Nikki first started learning Spanish in college. But when she decided she really wanted to attempt it again, she hired a private tutor. They've been meeting once a week for about two years now.
2: And I feel after all of that, I am at best an advanced beginner. And it sort of (laughs) is a bit frustrating because I'm pretty fluent in French, uh, just because we had Uh to take it here in in Toronto um, primary school, and I'm generally a a decent learner and, you know, been a good student. And so it's sort of frustrating that I am barely making progress. (laughs)
1: Uh Uh-huh. So you've tried getting a personal tutor. What else have you done? Yeah.
2: So in addition to sort of university courses back in the day and then the, the private tutor, I almost daily listen to about 10 minutes of a Spanish podcast as I'm walking. And mm. I've been doing that for about three years, most days. And then uh, my sister-in-law is Mexican and I don't mm. see her often. But when I do, I try to <laughs> engage her um, in as as long as she's willing to chat with me for
1: Okay. I hear that. So I want to dig a little bit into what your actual experience is trying to speak Spanish with people. Like, where do you get stuck?
2: I think it's one is, is tenses as sort of basic as that Mm. is, even though I've sort of worked on that, you know, you're trying to say, Oh, you know, I hope to see you soon rather than I saw you, you know, and it just, <laughs> um, <laughs> or I'm trying to convey something and it's just so slow as I'm thinking about every word that I can just see their, you know, attention span waning. <laughs> and You know, I've gone through yeah. one <laughs> sentence and it's been a minute and, you know, you kind of go, I-, I don't know how to say that word. So it's a bit frustrating when you start and you realize uh, I can't really finish my thought here
1: to help nikki out we're bringing in today's expert luca Lamperiello. luca has been in nikki's shoes before multiple times in fact he speaks 14 languages which is undeniably remarkable but that doesn't mean it was easy for him Your story reminds
0: me very much of of mine when I was learning Hungarian. I was having two classes uh, every week, uh, two lessons with two tutors, and I thought that the more I spoke, the better. Uh, But in reality, I think that the most important thing that I've, the, the biggest lesson I've learned is that input is key.
1: So on today's show, we're gonna learn how to harness those key inputs, like reading and listening, in order to actually learn a language effectively, so you can use it in real life, not just while conjugating verbs on an app. Estaremos de vuelta, or we'll be right back. Luca Lamperiello grew up in Italy and lives in Rome, although he spent the summer in Poland. I'm currently in Krakow. I'm in this beautiful apartment
0: in front of a big church. And uh, on and off, there's actually every hour, there's bells
1: ringing. So, uh, you know, if you hear it in the background, you know why. Before he could use language to live anywhere in the world, he spoke just one, Italian. I started learning
0: languages at the ripe age of 10. um, And in middle school, I was learning English and French. And I was a disaster in both. I remember I could not even pronounce the word enough. I pronounced it like inaug. Uh, much to, the (laughs) despair, the disappointment of my American teacher at the time, Susan.
1: Luca, like so many of us, struggled to learn language in the classroom.
0: Nikki was saying it before. She was like, when we try to learn languages and then we, we, we fail or we think it's difficult or we find it difficult, we tend to think it's us. What I realized is that it was not me, it was the system. One of the reasons why people fail at learning languages at school is because at school, we tend to treat the different parts of of language like different, um, you know, separated things. And we study grammar rules, and we make lists, and then we try to speak. Now, if you're trying to, to learn a language by learning individual parts of the language and then trying to put together, you basically make it really difficult for your brain to, you know, to assemble these, these together and then to produce language.
1: His parents ended up getting him a private tutor who helped him understand that language isn't about being taught. It's an exploration made easier with guidance.
0: I started realizing that language learning was not about homework. It was not about... Uh, tears
1: and sweat. It was more about fun, watching movies, having interesting conversations. Or reading books in English. The Hardy Boys Mystery Series was one of Luca's favorites growing up. Then, as a teenager, he was studying German and he discovered something called bi-directional translation and a light bulb went off.
0: So if you think about it, if you speak your own native language, you can speak any other language. That's the first thing I realized. The second thing I realized, so what I did when I was 15, by using this bi-directional translation, was that I was just basically translating back and forth. So I, my native language is Italian. I was trying to learn German, and I was translating texts, pieces of, like dialogues, for example, into Italian. So I was writing them down. And then I was retranslating them into German. Now, what happened is that by doing this, I was learning grammar, vocabulary, and pronunciation altogether. Now, to explain in detail how this works, Is a little bit complicated now, but the bottom line is that Mm -hmm. the reason why I was learning languages so efficiently was not because I was a genius. I always say I'm not a language genius. I forget things like everybody else. It's just that I found a way, uh, a holistic global way to tackle language that is really efficient. So it's really brain friendly, so to speak.
1: Okay, so here's our first insight. Language learning works best when done holistically. Your learning should emulate how you learned your native tongue. Like a kid, learn a handful of words that are simple, useful, and universal. Once you have a basic foundation, your next task is to start reading and listening to your target language at the same time.
0: So that is going to guarantee that you understand pretty much 100% because you're going to see the words. And on top of that, you can easily uh, take a transcript and you can translate it. We have a deluge of automatic translators like DeepL or Google Translate and even ChatGPT. And you can actually have a bilingual text. And you can have a bilingual text in in, you know, Spanish-English or Spanish-French. And by listening while reading, that is going to guarantee that you will understand everything. You can highlight the words that you do not know, and then you can compare the texts, and you can understand. Now, why is this powerful? Because once you've done that, and if you do it for, say, three months, then you have 90 podcasts that you have fully understood, and you can listen to them again. Um, You just can listen to them, and you're going to review the words, and you're going to understand everything.
2: It sounds like a great idea. If you have any suggestions on how to find something that has both a, you know, audio and reading component, I am of, all ears. Of,
0: of, <laughs> of course, uh, there's called there's a one that is called Radio Ambulante and you have an app which is called Lupa, I think L-U-P-A. So uh, you already have a reservoir an enormous reservoirs so of podcasts to listen to. The first thing I would say, 10 minutes is okay, but remember that frequency and being regular is important in language learning, but intensity is also important. If you're regular and intense, meaning you spend like, say, 30 to 45 minutes every single day, you're going to see that your listening comprehension is going to skyrocket in a matter of three, four, five months. The more you listen, the better.
1: That leads me to the popularity of apps like Duolingo and Rosetta Stone and so on and so forth. We always are looking for a quick fix. And so you get all these ads, like learn a language for $9.99 a month, you can be fluent in whatever. And i'm wondering um from both of you uh, i'll start with you luca like what is your experience with those apps and where are they helpful and where do they fall short of helping people truly grasp languages
0: (laughs) well i always say that the best app you have in your phone is air air mode that's the best app so uh with that i want to (laughs) say that basically um i've never used an app to learn languages um i find that my time is best spent on listening Again, reading and listening to pieces of content I find interesting, because if you think about it, language learning is a complex skill that can be learned in a simple way, and we make it so complicated. It's all about listening to stuff that you can understand. How do you do that? When you still are a beginner, you read and listen at the same time. Then when you start accumulating, you know, you have more stuff. You can listen to the stuff that you have previously worked through and you start listening to new things. This is how you learn languages effectively and you use your time well. And if you have 30 minutes, if you spend 25 minutes toying with an app, that's i think wasted time think think about it this way i call it the pyramid the language learning pyramid most people do the opposite so the a good language learning pyramid is when at the base you have listening and reading so input then you have output and then you have what i call study activities so grammar drills if you want to engage in like grammar drills that's fine as long as the input takes say 70% of the time, output 20, and these 25, and uh, let's say grammar drills 5% of your time, that's fine. Most people do it exactly the opposite.
1: Nikki, does that check out for you? What has been your experience with with apps, uh, Duolingo and beyond?
2: Yeah, so Duolingo, I found that it wasn't at the level I was. Like, it started very basic, and then you know you finish the level, and now you're still at basic. And mm-hmm. like, <laughs> six months later, it was still at basic.
1: Which is why Luca says you always want to be in the Goldilocks zone as a learner. It shouldn't be so challenging that you give up but also it shouldn't be so easy that you learn nothing. So you constantly have to readjust your language learning strategies
0: all the time. There's a famous plateau, it's called the intermediate plateau. Most people just get there, they start learning, they get excited, they learn a few things, everything looks nice for the first three months, and then their language learning skills stall, literally. That's where you have to change things. That's where you have to look and reflect upon your own language learning and say, "Mm, I've been doing this, this and that, but I can do it this this and that and you have to change the uh your la- overall language learning strategy and then you have to readapt it
1: i, I like this idea of like having a, a series of tools that you can use and when you reach a a stopping point or a stall point that you go okay i need to try something else and i'm curious if you could just help us learn more about what those tools are i mean you talked about input and output and you know, like study in your pyramid model. And with input, I understand that you're talking about reading and writing and listening and reading along. Are there other things that we should know about that we can say, okay, I've like done all this reading and writing and I feel like I've, it's been great, but I've sort of hit a wall. Where do you turn at that point?
0: So uh, fundamentally it all, um, you know, depends on one concept which is called uh, deliberate practice. Let's take, for example, reading. Let's take the four areas of language learning reading, listening, speaking, and writing, right? So, What I call simple practice is just practice. If you read something, you're just reading it for the sake of reading it. This is what you would do in your own native language, right? Hey, I'm reading a book, I'm sprawled on the couch, and I'm just enjoying this book. Now, when you're engaging in deliberate practice, instead of spending, say, one hour reading a book, you spend 30 minutes well-focused on trying to dissect a much smaller piece of content, say one or two pages, for, for example, underlying things, you're listening to it at the same time. This is called deliberate because you're deliberately trying to improve your skills so deliberate practice the form it takes depends on the level but in general uh, what I, as i was saying before to nikki if you listen to a podcast while you walk for 10 minutes that's fine a much stronger and more powerful form is of, of learning is sitting down and for 30 minutes you listen And you read at the same time, you pay attention to the words, you highlight them, you compare the text in Spanish with the text in English in order to make sure that you understand. So it's a much more powerful form of practice that unfortunately or fortunately uh, involves uh, energy, involves concentration, and you tackle smaller pieces of content and you're highly concentrated for listening. Simple practice is just listen to the radio or listen to a podcast while you're running some errands. Well, deliberate practice, again, is listening while reading something. So you're listening, or maybe you're listening, and you're just jotting things down. This is a piece of advice for Nikki. Next time, when you're maybe you're sitting somewhere at home, listen to the podcast and try to jot down random words. You will see that you are going to pay much more attention to the podcast than just listening. So this is another... Uh, form a deliberate practice. Speaking, when you're just, you know, having a conversation with someone, that's simple practice, right? In normal life, people don't give you feedback. You know, you don't go to the grocery store and you ask for grammar explanations on, on whatever. So, well, you can ask that to a tutor because you pay him and you're spending time to engage in deliberate practice. And deliberate practice means uh, maybe prepare um, you know, a topic in advance. I want to talk about this specific topic. So you zero in on a specific topic. You look up some words in advance that you want to use. You use them in conversation. You focus on communication. You get feedback. You listen to the conversation 24 hours later, and you implement the feedback by maybe, you know, saying these sentences in a correct way and implementing the feedback to correct your mistakes. That's deliberate practice. And the more proficient you become, the less deliberate practice you need. Once you get fluent you don't need to sit with a tutor and talk you can just use a language that's where you reach the so-called b2 and now the the church the, and now the bells <laughs> have started <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> um uh nikki hearing this are, i mean are you listening to this and going oh sweet i'm going to go do all that or are you listening to this and being like what the fuck? There's no way I can do all that. Like what is this what is this bringing up for you?
2: Yeah, I dream of being at level B2, so I am I am all about it. <laughs> well, I I've never tried listening and reading together. As, as basic as that concept sounds. So, to me that sounds great.
1: Okay. So, let's quickly recap So when you're creating your learning plan, you need to break it down into roughly 70% input, that's reading and listening, 25% output, that's speaking and writing, and 5% on things like grammar practice. Set a frequent schedule for yourself so you allow enough time, and then when you sit down to learn, make sure your practice is deliberate. By listening while reading, you'll better engage your brain, you'll learn words in new context, you'll absorb pronunciations, all of these great skills. But then how do you actually use your newly acquired language skills in the real world? Even for polyglots like Luca, things can still be, let's say, lost in translation. We'll hear more about that after a quick break. Ya estaremos de volta. We'll be right back. If you rely on how to to help translate your life, the best way to support the show is by joining Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Signing up for Slate Plus helps us help all the people you hear on our podcast every week. Members will never hear another ad on our podcast or any other Slate podcast. You'll also get free and total access to Slate's website. Plus, you'll be supporting our important work. So I hope you'll join if you can to sign up now, go to slate.com slash how to plus again, that's slate.com slash how to plus. Thanks. We're back with Nikki, our listener who is desperate to learn Spanish and Luca Lampariello, founder of the Smart Language Learning Academy. By the time Luca had started learning Spanish, he had already mastered a handful of other languages, and since Italian, his native language, isn't so far off from Spanish, he decided to spend a year in Madrid to help expedite his learning.
0: I remember once I was—I had been learning Spanish for I don't know a year. I was in Madrid and I was like asking directions. Like I, had, I wanted to go to the park and run in the, this park, and I stopped a policeman and I said uh, something like me corro, which in Spanish means to have an orgasm instead of running, corro. So <laughs> the guy looked at me and he and I was like, um, uh, he, he 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 was just, you know, quizzically, he was like, what's going on? And then I realized after I asked my friend and she explained that to me and I was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, so I, I literally told him I want to have an orgasm in the park or something like that instead of saying I want to run in the park. And, you know, I'm just like crazy
2: <laughs> if you think about it.
1: <laughs> Wait, so so what would have been the right way What would have been the right way to say To say that, that you wanted to That you want to now, run in the future Now, I don't remember
0: exactly what I said But I said, but I want to run Is Quiero correr So I want to run Yeah, uh, Quiero correr uh-huh. en el parque yeah, right? the infinitive. But I said, quiero uh-huh, correrme En yeah. el parque, which is reflexive <laughs> So it's like literally, hey, I want to uh, have an orgasm in the park You know, just stop the random dude Yes. <laughs> so
1: uh, I'm so surprised you didn't end up uh, In jail, right, <laughs> exactly Luca, I, I want you to do something that's, a l- <laughs> that's like a little bit fun, um, but uh, our listeners are going to be so fascinated by this. You speak so many languages and I'm wondering if you can, if you can say the phrase, maybe the phrase, I want to run in the park in a- every language that, <laughs> that you know.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. OK, let's uh-huh. let's go back. So I want to run in the park. That's English. Then you have French. Je veux courir dans le parc. Then you have Spanish. Uh, Quiero correr en el parque. Then you have um uh will it's a Dutch Ich will in the park lo, lopen mm. uh, German Ich will im park oder auf dem park laufen Hacu biegać w parku w parku I want to This this is Russian Um What else? What do you have? So you have Polish Jelim da turčim Parco. this is actually serbian the serbian came came first <laughs> no. uh, then what else you have quero correr no parc.
1: this mm. is portuguese and uh, and that's about it what about um what about italian and greek all oh, right i, <laughs> I forgot, forgot the obvious one I you're, forgot you're my own language,
0: language. Yeah. of course <laughs> voglio correre nel mm. parco voglio correre nel parco that's italian uh, and greek um, Uh, Wait, because saying one sentence after the other, it might seem easy, but it's actually, it can be confusing. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, wait, it's, it's, um, hmm, interesting that it's not coming now in Greek. If you give me 10 seconds, it will probably come. It's interesting what happens. This is one thing that I wanted to say because I've done this in other shows. Like when they ask me, for example, a sentence in in various languages, and people tend to think, "Oh, this is easy." It's actually way more difficult than having an entire conversation in thirty minutes in one language and and I'm switching. Sure it is. Because yeah. in your brain, the the brain there's a switch mm. center, and it kind of gets mm-hmm. confused. It's amazing that I speak, for, like if I had to speak Greek now, I wouldn't have any problem, but I have a problem remembering this word in Greek after seeing it in 10 languages. This yeah, that makes sense.
1: But that actually makes a lot of sense. It's like you have to warm up a little bit. I mean, like I'm, part of the reason I think people ask you to do it is because it's such an, it's such an unimaginable thing <laughs> for most people to do, because I think we inherently understand that the brain, that that's like a real trick of the brain to be able to just like say the same thing in like you know six or seven different languages. It, it is difficult. It is difficult yeah. to switch.
2: Uh, It's not easy.
1: While most of us do not have 14 languages vying for space in our brains, there is something relatable about even just learning one additional language, which is that that nerve-wracking feeling you have when you're on the spot staring at someone trying desperately to remember a word. Nikki, when it comes to speaking
0: Spanish, um, I have a question for you. Do you feel a little bit nervous? Absolutely. Because I know
2: it's just a matter of time until I come to a dead end in the conversation or they give me that look. <laughs> right. Like, is that what you really right. meant to say?
0: This is a very common thing. When you're nervous, the reason why words do not come is because your limbic system blocks your, what is called the prefrontal cortex. You know, this is like, imagine that you're extracting some pieces of information, right? And there's a mechanical arm that keeps you from doing that. It's because you're nervous. There's one piece of advice, and there's a beautiful TED talk, which I really appreciate by a guy, who goes, I think his name is Guzman, and if you write Guzman uh, teaching English without teaching English, you will find it. One of the key factors that really makes a difference is to focus on communication and not focus on performance. So what happens after so many years in, at school is that we have this mentality that I have to perform. Well, here you're just communicating. So that's the first thing. If you focus on communicating, even if you speak Tarzan-like, it's better than getting stuck and thinking, should I use this word or shouldn't I use this word? So if you take student A and student B, student A goes like, I'm just going to say it anyway. For example, let's say she's speaking English. She's learning English and she wants to say, yesterday I ran in the park, but she doesn't know how to conjugate the verb run in the past, right? It's way better to say, yesterday, I run in park. Mm -hmm. You understand anyway, right? Think about that. So, if you get into that mentality of focus on on communication and you relax a little bit, you will see that you get much more relaxed because you go like, okay, I'm just going to use the words I know to express the concepts I want to say. So, even if I say, I... Um, learn Spanish for some time. That's better, you know, I'm, I'm just translating the equivalent in English. It's much better to say something than not saying it. Think of simplifying your sentences. Whatever you can say in fewer words is better. When you start simplifying subject, verb, object, and then you add the details, you will see that you will be able to express yourself much more naturally without having resorting to this translation mechanism which is at the end of the day a defense mechanism of your brain because we don't want to sound stupid we want to sound refined and articulate and and intelligent so we try to say very complex sentences that we still cannot say because we don't have the linguistic tools to express them simplify just like say like for example I learned this lesson by learning japanese japanese has a completely different syntax if you want to say i want to go to japan because i've never been there before you can just simply say i want to go to japan i've never been before it's two sentences two shorter sentences and it's way more it's the same message but you know you divide it into more manageable pieces of communication of, of information that you want to convey and get across
2: yeah i think that's very helpful to try to simplify and, uh, and i think because in in English, you know you want to sort of add personality to your sentences you don 't want to just speak you know very simple sentences, but you 're right, luca when you 're learning a new language, if you the point is to communicate, you sort of have to put any sort of hope for adding a personality aside and just get your message across with shorter, clearer sentences. So I think that's very helpful and then your other point about just sort of plowing through, even if you sort of sound like Tarzan, or even if the tense is is not what you hope, just sort of hashing it out. Uh, I remember when I was learning guitar, that's what my guitar teacher would say. Just, just, you know, get through it. Don't worry about all the mistakes. So it sounds like both of those are going to be very helpful tips.
1: You know what? That's a good reminder that as caught up as we are in perfection and chasing fluency, whatever that may be, the true goal of learning a language is human connection.
0: Just today, I'm in Poland, and today I speak fluent Polish now that I, I was just like this. I had a, I had a problem with my shoe when I was at this shoemaker, and he was a little bit grumpy, but then when I started learning, speaking Polish, he, you know, it was a completely different experience. So you understand every single uh-huh. day the value of speaking languages and the impact that it has externally to find a job, to find friends, et cetera. But the most interesting part for me is actually the internal change. So speaking another language is like really like living two, two, three, or even four um lives in parallel because it shows it you imagine like every person like a prison right you 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 have the light that hits this prism and you can see the different um, colors mm-hmm. of the rainbow I see language learning mm-hmm. like that when you speak multiple languages you can actually show all the colors of your personality the Luca as if he were born in the United States the Luca and as he was born in France etc so I have seen this as an ex like a tool to explore myself. It just made my internal intellectual emotional life much richer.
2: I'm curious how people when they move to a new country and pick up the language they they all seem to be able to do it. And I know I know it's effort. I know they struggle, but I don't even have the stress of having to learn the language to survive as this additional challenge that a lot of sort of, you know, newcomers to whatever city they're immigrating to um, have. So I'm just curious how you think (laughs) they're all doing it, um, whereas I'm not able to do it. I think the best combination
0: is when you want to and you have to Mm. at the same time. This reminds me of what happened here in Krakow in Poland. Some six years ago, when I got to know my ex-girlfriend, I, you know, it was a date, I sat down, my Polish was so-so, I would say, not very good. And I said, hey, are we going to speak in English? And she said, no, 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 you speak, you speak Polish very well, so we have to speak Polish. And I went like, oh gosh, now we have to have the whole conversation in Polish, my Polish is like, you know, not, not that great. Uh, but I was exchanging messages with her, in, but writing is a different thing, you, and you, you can always use Google Translate, <laughs> right? So, it, real conversation was different, and then I had no option. Really, I had to speak Polish from day one, and but that, you know, after three uh, months of, of sweat and <laughs> <laughs> linguistic torture um i started speaking better and better and my polish was just good enough that i could hold a conversation not a very good one but i tried all my linguistic (laughs) tricks You know sometimes when i got lost i was just going it, like hey the weather is great (laughs) i was changing the subject if i didn't understand something so fake it until you make it i made it and after three months i got to know her friends i got to know her parents but it was kind of a shock thing like shock therapy for three months to have you you know i like taking it slowly with languages i like building my listening comprehension my speaking skills before i get into dates or something but in that case the whole you know this this thing the decision i had to make or i was forced to make uh sped up the entire process and i you know i'm thankful grateful that that happened
1: yeah nikki i um i that's super helpful advice and i, I want to like i guess bolster your confidence a little bit because you actually speak more languages than a lot of people <laughs> and um imagine i imagine that we have listeners who are not even at your level yet who are listening and going "Geez, i'm not even at, at that level Nikki, do you have what advice do you have for the person who's like kind of coming up behind you as a language learner? Things that you have learned along the way that have been helpful.
2: Oh wow! Yeah, you're definitely giving me uh, <laughs> more credit than I probably deserve. <laughs> but um, it's gonna take baby steps. Um, and I think if you think of other things you do in life, you know, if you've run a marathon, well, it started with a 5k and then a 10k and same sort of thing. If you've learned an instrument, well, you started with the chords and then, so it's just like any Mm -hmm. other thing is that one step in front of the other, but. Consistency is key. And if you, you know, take a pause, which I did for years, if you genuinely want it, you get back on, you just keep taking those steps. And, uh, I also think, you know, finding people smarter than myself is always helpful. And my tutor, she's, <laughs> she's been amazing. And I happen to have lucked in on my first tutor that she is so experienced and helpful and patient. Um, so I think consistency, Uh, understanding if you really want to do it, keeping at it, and then finding people who are more experienced in the field than you to kind of push you along.
1: Asking for help. I love that. Uh, And that is always the theme of our show is asking for help. And that's, that's why you're here. And that's, that's what we love here. Nikki, do you have any final uh, questions? Was this helpful to you? It
2: was very helpful. And I've been jotting down things as we've been going along. So I'm looking forward to uh some of those sort of resources you had mentioned, Luca, and then trying listening and reading at the same time. Um and uh hopefully I'll be able to check back with progress
1: made. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah Thanks. you can send us you can send us an email in Spanish. That's right.
2: Ready. It'll be at a full B2 level. We can all meet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> and by yep. the way, just final uh-huh. thing, I just I was thinking about it and in Greek I want to run in the park is cellonatrexo. <laughs> Stoparco. Cero so Stoparco. <laughs> so something so easy was not coming to me, but hey, that's life,
1: you know. That is life. There is no perfection. Not in language learning, not in anything. I mean all we can really do is show up fully in our attempts. And that's a good thing, because learning a language is not about perfection or self-improvement or sounding cool to everybody else. It's about communicating and connecting with people from other places. And maybe the more we remember that, the better and easier we learn. Thanks again to Nikki for coming to us with her questions and to Luca Lampariello for all his useful advice. If you want to learn more from Luca, you can check out the Smart Language Learning Academy, which will be linked in our show notes. Do you have a problem in search of a solution in any language? Send us a note at howtoatslate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001 and we might have you on the show. And if you like what you heard today, please give us a rating and a review and tell a friend because that helps us help more people. How To's executive producer is Derek John, Joel Meyer is senior editor. Rosemary Belson, Kevin Bendis, and Jabari Butler produced this episode. Merritt Jacob is senior technical director. Charles Duhigg created the show. I'm Carvel Wallace. Thanks for listening.